Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, now, through this glorious worship that has no doubt blessed you far more than it's blessed us, and it's blessed us greatly. Father, now we open your word, and and the things we've sung have been like a, a harmony to the message that I plan to bring. And so, Father, continue your amazing work in this service. Let your Holy Spirit just strengthen us by the Word of God now and ready us for the communion with the Son of God and to bring our tithes to our Heavenly Father. Father, don't let us lose a beat, miss a moment, but to continue on receiving everything you plan for us and especially what you give us this morning through your Word. For we ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of this message, and I was telling the fellows on Monday night when we were going over things, it just amazes me how we can have 44 or so messages and they all figure out a way that in the title they can have like no other. It's like, how many things in this world can we have like no other? Well, today we got one more of them right here. It's a vigil. As Christians, a vigil like no other. A vigil, a careful, prayerful, and persistent watching. Waiting, watching, trusting, hoping. With our focus on something, we're vigilant. See, that's what today's red letter words of Jesus identify. These words of his today identify a task that each one of us as born-again Christians has been given. A task that only true followers of Christ will even consider spending their time or energy doing. So what is it? What is it that should be our vigil? The thing that we are watching patiently, fervently for. What should we be more vigilant about than we are about anything else. So we would say, I have a vigil, I have a watch in my life, a readiness in my life that is like no other thing, thanks to Jesus. Well, here's today's red-letter scripture. There's actually three of them. First one in Matthew 24, second one in Matthew 25, two chapters where Jesus is talking about the things that will happen at the end of time. And then we have a third scripture relating to the same subject from Mark chapter 13, where Jesus adds just a little bit to what he said in Matthew 24, 25. So here we go. First one. Jesus says, Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Therefore, next verse. It's at the end of his teachings now. He repeats himself in chapter 25. He says, therefore, keep watch. 
because you do not know the day or the hour. And then in Mark's gospel, he adds an extra little insight to this. He says, no one knows that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, it's interesting, as you read that passage in Matthew 24 and 25, and you get to the part where Jesus is saying, nobody knows the time or the hour, because it's also in Matthew, you might find in your Bible, your translation, when you find a verse that sounds like Mark 13.32 in it, you'll notice your Bible might leave out the part, nor the Son. It just says, no one knows that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, but only the Father. And it might have a footnote that says, some translations include only the Son, or nor the Son. And then you might have a a translation that right in the scripture, it, it includes nor the Son. Not the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. The reason is, in the ancient, ancient Greek texts, that the translation of Matthew comes out of, some of the very, very oldest and most reliable have the phrase in Matthew's gospel, nor the Son, and some other very, very ancient and normally reliable ones do not have it. And so that's interesting. Did Jesus really say that? Or did he not? Here's the good news and why I included the the line from Mark's gospel. In Mark's gospel, the ancient, most reliable translations, uh, manuscripts that the translators use, definitely have it with no, there's no ancient alternative that has that phrase out. And so, for sure, Jesus said this, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. I don't even know, he's saying but only the Father. So a couple of key questions grow out of this. Number one, what day and what hour was Jesus talking about? And the answer here will give you right straight. The day and the hour he was talking about is the day and the hour that he comes to set up his millennial kingdom on this earth following that period of great tribulation. We sang about the Messiah coming to set up his kingdom this morning. Now, those events describing the millennial kingdom, millennial means a thousand, so the thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth, this old sinful earth, and the great tribulation period, those events are detailed in the book of Revelation. Though Jesus spoke rather graphically about the tribulation period to his own disciples in this 24th chapter of Matthew's gospel. So you can read about the tribulation in Matthew 24 as well as in the book of Revelation. It'll be a period of great distress for any follower of Christ who is on the earth at that time. And there will be many such followers, the book of Revelation tells us, due to the incredible witness of the 144,000 evangelists that God will raise up for the 12 tribes of Israel. And they will minister in the entire world during the first period, first part of the tribulation period, the first three and a half years. Now, last year, I hope none of you missed this. 
because I've been almost 50 years in the ministry and had a reputation. Pastor Mark never preaches on the book of Revelation. Has never preached on the book of Revelation. But you know, a year ago, we went through the entire book of Revelation, didn't we? We did. Now, you might recall, when we went through the entire book of Revelation a year ago, we called those people who come to Christ during the tribulation, we called them the tribulation saints. And they're going to have a special white robe to wear someday, kind of like their Hall of Fame jacket. They're tribulation saints. Even though there are people through all the years who have gone through tribulation, little t, have even lost their lives and, and become martyrs for Christ, but cap a big tribulation when the devil is really in charge of this world openly and obviously, those who confess Jesus Christ as Savior are just absolutely targeted. And their, their faithfulness to Christ just causes them to stand apart in a special way. So we call them tribulation saints. We even at one point called them second chance saints. Because all of them, all of them will have missed the rapture. Some of them having known about the, the story of Jesus, some of them not knowing. But during that period, if they knew it and had previously rejected it, some of them, due to the persistence of the Holy Spirit, will turn their lives to Christ. Others during that period never even heard of Jesus, but they hear of him then and probably will have discovered that some years earlier, Jesus returned and captured, took away all of those who made up his church, the believers. So these folks are really getting a second chance during that period. The rapture, I believe, the catching away of the born-again believer to heaven by Jesus himself, I believe happens before the tribulation ever starts. There's a special thing going on in this world during those last years that, that God is doing. So, it was revealed to John the Apostle that Jesus Christ in his awesome exalted state will return to the earth at the end of the tribulation period to establish his thousand year long millennial kingdom in fulfillment of the promises given to God's saints of old beginning with Abraham. So it's the day and the hour for that triumphant return of Christ as king that Jesus was talking about. The disciples had said, Lord, are you going to now set up your kingdom? And it was in answer to that question that Jesus was talking about when the kingdom will be set up on this earth, the millennial kingdom. And he said, of that day and hour, nobody knows except the Father, but you fellows, watch for it. Watch for it. So that's the question, first question, first answer. Here now is the second key question of the morning that I know you've probably thought about at different times. Is it really possible that Jesus didn't know the details of his second coming to establish his kingdom? How could he not know that? He's the son of God, right? Before the foundations of the world, didn't they already figure that out? So how could he not know? How could he say of the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, meaning himself. The Father only knows that. So is it really possible? The answer we give you here quickly is simply yes, it is. 
There is no reason to doubt what he said, and there's no reason to doubt that he actually said it. You see, part of Jesus' descent into the human condition was him laying aside certain attributes of deity. He became a human being. He became limited to the amount of neurons we have in this brain of ours. He laid aside. The Apostle Paul one time said he emptied himself. He certainly laid aside what we commonly call divine omniscience. That God knows everything all at once. At the same time about everything and everybody. God is omniscient. The Son of God, when he became a man, laid that aside. After we're all, he started in this world as a baby. He couldn't even talk. He had to learn everything. Using the physical, human system that all of us have to use. He only knew, as a man... He only knew what the Spirit revealed to him through the Scriptures, just like we do. The Spirit hadn't revealed the day or the hour. Jesus didn't know that. He's telling his disciples he didn't know that. They wouldn't know it either. Only the Father knows that at that point in time. Remember this verse spoken about him when he was 12 years old? When they went to the Passover, the whole family in Jerusalem, and then the mom and dad, they all, when it was done, they all jumped on the bus, as it were, and they headed home until they counted noses and Jesus wasn't there. And they had to go back to Jerusalem and they found him in the temple, back and forth uh, with the, the learned teachers. They were amazed how smart he was. There's no question, he was a smart kid. At 12, he was ready to become a full-grown man in the Jewish culture. And he was talking about spiritual things. He had invested 11 or 12 years in learning those things. But the family chided him for having forsaken them, as it were. And, uh, and so the, Luke says, in Luke chapter 2, he was obedient to them. And he went back home. And then this verse, this verse, Luke 2, 52, Luke writes, And Jesus grew. Now he could have said he continued to grow. He'd already done a lot of growing from birth to 12 years old. He was already amazing the religious leaders with his spiritual knowledge and his questioning and and his involvement with these things way beyond any other 12-year-old. So Luke could have said he continued to grow in wisdom, first thing. That means he didn't already have God-level wisdom. He could still get smarter. He could just grow. And he continued to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So the point of it is, Jesus in his lowered human condition did not know everything. And he was content not knowing the things that he was not given to know, even as we should be. Think about that. He was content to not know 
the things that he was not given to know. He didn't say to his disciples, now the day and the hour nobody knows, but I tell you, I'm studying the Old Testament scriptures day and night, and I think about a month from now, I should have it all figured out. And then I'm going to write a book and make millions. No, he just said, no, the son doesn't know that. The father has reserved that for himself, and that's just how it is. And that's how it'll be for you fellas. You won't know it either. So you got to watch, because it could come anytime. Jesus, in his lowered human condition, was much like us. We just have to battle with sin and our fallenness and our thoughts get all mixed up by sinful impulses that he never had to worry about getting mixed up. He was a pure, holy child from birth. But he was a pure, holy human being from birth. And so he truly models for us how a a spirit-filled human being ought to be. So yes, it's possible he didn't know all the details. He didn't. And he said so. Now, question three. What about the rapture? The catching away of Christ's church. Well, the answer to that is, as we want to know that, the Holy Spirit revealed the truth of the rapture to the Apostle Paul. At this point, we could probably say the Holy Spirit hadn't revealed to Jesus the truth of the rapture. He didn't bring that up. They asked him, when are you going to establish your kingdom? And and the Jews had been anticipating this earthly kingdom, the fulfillment of David's uh, kingdom. And so they said, Lord, when's that going to happen? And that's what he was answering. He doesn't say anything about any rapture. He told them he was going to build his church on this earth. And that would be his his unique identity in this world, the church of Jesus Christ. But the rapture isn't mentioned in any of the Gospels. But the Apostle Paul was given and was inspired by the Holy Spirit to tell us about that moment. It's recorded in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, really verses 13 to 18. And let me just summarize. Paul says there, there's coming a day. There's coming a day when the exalted Lord Jesus will personally appear, to use Paul's term, in the clouds. Not on the earth, but in the clouds, above the earth. And there will be a trumpet sound of God. There will be a loud cry. There will be an archangel announcement. And here is the Lord Jesus, the exalted Lord Jesus. The kind of Lord Jesus that John saw when he was caught up to heaven. No longer the diminished Lord Jesus. No longer the mere human who'd laid aside. Here he is now in all his glory and power in the clouds issuing a call. A call to gather his church, the church he had been spending now almost 2,000 years building, to gather his church of born-again believers from the four corners of the earth. It's not the kingdom being set up there. It's a call to those who are his to come up here, to get out of there. Those that he calls, Paul says, will be instantly changed from mortal 
to immortal. They will be experiencing the full and complete redemption, that of their body, soul, and spirit, all at the same time. That redemption for which they have yearned for long. How many of you are yearning for that? To have a completely glorified body. Have a completely saved soul. Peter says you're receiving the, the goal of your faith, the salvation. Oh, to have that done. No more sinful nature. No more bad thoughts. No more impression. Just a completely glorified body and soul and spirit. And to be just, of course, ready for heaven. Now, Paul says that's going to happen when Christ appears in the clouds and he calls and it's announced. And Paul says, we who are alive and remain, Paul was hoping to be one of them, we who are alive and remain will be caught up off of this earth to meet the Lord in the air. He's not meeting us on the earth. We're meeting him in the air. And... Paul also says Jesus will be accompanied by all the born-again believers who have ex previously experienced death on the earth. See, Paul was answering a question there. The Spirit was giving him the answer, what about people who die? What about Christians who die? When the Lord returns, well, what about them? And Paul says, don't worry. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ will and those who are still alive on the earth will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For when the Lord appears, he will bring with him all those who have fallen asleep. And they who have been in the Lord's presence with a glorified, you know, you know, a special state, saved and glorified, but they're still waiting for something. Because to be fully human is to be body, soul, and spirit. And their bodies have been in the ground ever since they died. Or wherever they might be. And Paul says, and they. There'll be a resurrection at that moment. Their bodies will be resurrected. They, you could say, will be resurrected. And we, who are alive and remain, will just be changed. Wouldn't it be great not to have to die? I mean, if I got to die, I want to die with a smile on my face saying, man, I'm heading into heaven. But if I could avoid that, I'll be good with that too. I'd, I'd rather be standing here just like my mom was always hoping to be standing right here and say, there it is, it's happening now. Here we are. There's Uncle Joe and there's Grandpa and coming with the Lord and I'm now being lifted up off of this earth and something spiritually and miraculous is happening to me and, and I didn't have to go through that doorway called death. Even though I understand it, though I'm not afraid of it, as far as I'm concerned, it'd be nice to avoid it. Because we never know what our doorway looks like. We could just close our eyes and poof, we're gone. Or we could be hit by a cement truck. And suffer a while. You know, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to go that way. So if I could just be lifted up, see? But that's what happened. All those who died in faith will come with the Lord. 
and they will receive the final act of their salvation, the resurrection of their body that Paul says is a glorious thing. And we who are not going to die but are alive seeing this, he will call us up and we will be changed in an instant, Paul says, in a twinkling of an eye. And in that moment, Jesus' glorious church so carefully and persistently built over all these years, will be gathered together at last. All at one time, all in one place. And to quote the Apostle Paul as he finished that that passage, he says, So, so shall we be with the Lord forever. Amen. And we'll be with one another forever and with the Lord forever. It's like that closes a chapter. That's the last line of a particular story. The story, really, of the church of Jesus Christ that he's building in the midst of uh, of this world. Now, just a fourth thing. Got to ask this question. So how do we put these words of Christ and Paul into practice? See, Jesus said, these words of mine, if you put them into practice, hear them, put them into practice, you'll be like that man building his house on a solid rock. How do we put this into practice? Well, the answer, two-word answer, one, watch. Watch. Now, that's harder than it sounds like. You and I know that. How many days do we consciously say it could be today? How many days do we find ourselves looking toward the sky and watching? How how much time can we give to that? We got all kinds of other things we need to do. We need to watch out for. We need to watch and take care of. So watching is a, you know, it's not going to be a 24-7 kind of thing unless we just in the back of our mind say, you know, and my great hope is to someday see Jesus coming in the clouds with all those who belong to him. I'm watching for that. I'm looking for that. I'm not sitting on my chair in the front yard. What's he doing? Being biblical? What? What? So you can't really do that. So Jesus didn't intend that, but he said, you know, this should be right in the front of your mind. Jesus could come today. Jesus is coming. I need to be ready and I need to be eagerly involved in the things that that please him. So watch, that's one. And then Paul says, having told the rest of the story, he says, encourage one another with these words. Encourage each other with these words. Sometimes we might say, you know, just hang in there. The Lord might come today. If the Lord came today, this won't matter for one more second, will it? Well, if I really can take that to heart, it kind of just, it can lift my spirit even though my body's still kind of suffering. Or it could lift my spirit even though this job is just taking a bad, bad turn. He could come today. He could come today. And wouldn't that be glorious? Encourage one another. Now, let me take just a huge, huge leap. Okay, can I do this? (laughs) Would you allow me to do this? Here's something I imagined this week. I can just imagine Jesus being the very first one who was encouraged by those rapturous words 
that Paul wrote and that would have been when the father and that would have been when the father first shared them with him. Can you imagine Jesus in all of his glory being ascended right back into heaven? And now all his work on earth is done. All his sacrifice, every, all his work from now on is going to be heaven-based in the Father's presence. And one by one, uh, saints who, who are saved through the door of death come into their presence, come into their presence, and the whole process is rolling along. And, and Jesus himself, now that he's back in heaven, might wonder, how long is it going to go? You know, how long is it going to go? Or how is it... How will we ever gather them together? I've sent the Spirit to build this church and he's building this church and imagine this. Imagine the Heavenly Father saying sometime after his son's triumphant return to heaven. Saying son. Might even said my beloved son. My beloved son. Just to use a phrase, you won't believe and Jesus says, I'll believe it, I'll believe it. But just to use that phrase, son, you won't believe how I have chosen to wrap up the story of your church and how the final chapter of earth's history will be implemented. You will one day take all the members of your church who are here with us already and you will return to the earth where they will receive their resurrected, glorified bodies. And then you will catch up all those saints who remain upon the earth, and the Holy Spirit will transform them into the same glorious condition that you yourself are in, and they will all be with you, their Lord and their Savior, forever. Son, that's what we have planned. That's what's going to happen. Oh, I wish the Lord had stirred my mind to encourage my own mother with those words before she left this world. I wish I had said something like this to her because I've told you many times she wanted to see the rapture. She wanted to take part in the rapture. She wanted to be alive until the coming of the Lord in that way. And, and she nearly persisted in her wait until 105. But then she passed through that doorway into the Lord's presence. And I saw her the last time just a, a little while before then and I wish I'd said something like this, Mom. Say, Mom, if you don't live to experience the rapture, if you don't, as much as you've wanted to, you will return in glory beside the Lord Jesus and be part of the rapture. You will return in glory beside Jesus himself, as will every one of your loved ones that has already preceded you into heaven. If you, if we survive to the rapture, they didn't get to be part of the rapture being caught up, but they come in glory with the Lord Jesus Christ himself 
as part of that great moment where they even receive their, their resurrected body and the completion of all of their, their salvation. To say, Mom, think of that. Think of that. To be right beside the Savior when the trumpet call of God sounds. When the voice of the archangel cries out, heard all the way around the world with a, come up here. The church is complete. We'll be with the Lord and with one another forever. Can we wait and watch for that day? It's not just Jesus who's coming. They're all coming. It's not just Jesus that we're going to be with, though he is the main one that will thrill our hearts, but with all of these, we'll be with them forever, and they with us. And Christ, right in the center of this glorious identity called the Church of Jesus Christ. Oh, I can... I can imagine us, you and me, being encouraged by that thought. I can imagine us being watchful. You see, that means that every sickness, every accident, every happening in this broken world might either cause our exit from this life through death or any of those things might be interrupted by the Lord's call from the clouds in his return for us. All of us will one way or another be caught up to him. But until one of those rescues from this life happens, Jesus says, watch. Watch. Anticipate. Be eager. Keep that as a central truth of your future and rejoice in it. So we come to our final thought, says this, watching, watching for the glorious return of Jesus Christ for his own in what we commonly call the rapture cannot be compared to anything else for which we look or yearn. It is indeed a vigil like no other. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, you've revealed things to us even as you have kept other things to yourself. Father, we know today more than the disciples on Jesus' day knew. You revealed an additional part of this incredible plan of God to the Apostle Paul. And he quickly wrote it down and shared it with as many as could read his letters. And now, Father, all these years later, we have all of his letters. And we can read every single thing you ever revealed to any of your servants. And so we can know as much as you desire us to know. And Father, this glorious day we know about, the day when Christ will come and call his own out of this world, and coming with him will be all those who have died in faith, all those who have been in his presence, some for a long, long time. And there they will be. And we will join them, not in heaven, but initially we will join them in the clouds. And we'll be with them and with the Lord forever. Father, when things get a little grim, 
when things get a little difficult, help us to watch for the main thing. Remind us of what's coming. Remind us that this life is short, even if we live it to the end. And this life is unpredictable, and, and it might even be taken from us before we have a chance to even think about it. But Father, we know we're either with him in his presence awaiting this day, this rapturous day, or we will be on the earth experiencing it. We believe it. We believe it. And fathers, we prepare for communion. May, may the thoughts of our Savior, even now, relishing that moment when he can come and call us home. May that encourage us as we seek to commune as closely as possible with him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.